everyone. Welcome to Seeing Color, a podcast that talks with cultural workers and artists of color in order to expand the area of what is a predominantly white space in the arts. I'm your host, Siwon Chong. Hey everyone, happy Lunar New Year. I wish you good luck and hope lots of fortune befalls upon you this coming year. It is the year of the ox and hopefully a lucky year for those of you born on the year of the ox. In what is normally a time for celebration, instead I hope that we can all reflect and take a breather for our physical and mental state in whatever situation we are in. It isn't clear for how long COVID is here to stay much less the uneven distribution of vaccines and the rise of all these new virus strains. So, with all that in mind, On today's episode, I am chatting with Lyndon Barwa Jr., an artist who breaks down and reconfigures the language of print, design, popular culture in order to investigate underlying ideology, ethics, and conceptions of identity. Lyndon got a BFA from the Maryland Institute College of Art and an MFA from the Sam Fox School of Design from Washington University in St. Louis. I was put in contact with Lyndon through a series of coincidences, starting with an acquaintance of an acquaintance from my undergrad breakdancing group who mentioned that his sister and her partner, Adelaide and Lyndon, were artists. This was mentioned years ago, but I didn't reach out to either one for some reason until last year, at which point I realized that Lyndon was just hired at my graduate program as an assistant professor of art at Carnegie Mellon University. I remember seeing the announcement, but I didn't connect the dots until after we started chatting. There were a few other overlaps Lyndon and I had with each other, and I was happy to learn more about Lyndon's work, along with Lyndon's pizza-making skills his thoughts on taking time off before grad school, and some of the difficulties he encountered while living the art residency life. I plan to talk with Adelaide in the near future as well, so keep an eye out for that episode. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and I hope you enjoy this. They might not. They'll laugh. Yeah, they might laugh. Or or I think we're out of our minds or something, but. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess um so I know you were born in New Orleans. Actually mm-hmm. when I was looking you up, I found your dad and I was actually really confused. Yeah, yeah. I was like you know, your picture was Google the way Google did it, it pulled your name with your dad's profile and your yep. picture. So I was like yep. at first I was like, Wait, you also make movies and you worked <laughs> on The Matrix and other films and I was like, Wait, He's older than he seems. Uh, it, it, was, it, it threw me off for a bit, and then it took me a while, and I was like, "Oh, that must be your dad." And yeah, it'd be amazing if all of that were true. Like, if, <laughs> if either one of us were that prolific, <laughs> interesting, and also managed to look <laughs> the way I do at you know yeah. fifty-five, that'd be great. Uh, but no, yeah, it. it I've tried to uh, over the summer. I, I really tried to tackle this issue, particularly like when this whole. Um, like job announcement was going out and it's, it's way more complicated to, to remedy that situation of identity yeah. uh, than it, than it might seem. Uh, so yeah, nothing I, 
nothing that I sent or, or form that filled out, uh, I filled out to Google was, was convincing for them <laughs> enough yeah. to, to sort of change anything. So now I'm just kind of running with the joke, even though, even though I, I think I get more of my dad's emails than he gets of mine. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I didn't, I didn't think about that. <laughs> yeah. It's really funny. Like, it's kind of, I, I would say annoying, but it's not, it's more, it's more funny now. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess your dad primarily, his work was based in New Orleans. So you grew up there as well. Or did you eventually move to California? No. So my, I, I lived there for about two years and then my parents who weren't married and also quite young, they had been 19 and uh, my father elected to stay in New Orleans and my mother met someone and moved to California. And so that's where I grew up, you know, with my mother and Mm-hmm. And who will become my stepfather. And then, you know, they had more children after that. So I have three younger brothers and we all were born and kind of, for the most part, grew up in, in Southern California and in, in Santa Ana. Oh, and in the meantime, I'm kind of going back and forth to New Orleans every summer you know, oh, to nice. stay with my dad, and uh, who's living with my grandmother at the time. So my whole childhood is sort of, uh, at least summers of my childhood is kind of rooted there. Yeah. Well, yeah. Over time, my, my dad... Um, kind of went back to school. I mean, he's, he was an artist as well and, and, you know, started out when he was a sculptor, um, but was also like a really talented illustrator and drafts person. So I knew him primarily as an illustrator because he did a number of posters for like the Northern Jazz Festival and the, the Boston Marathon, things like that, that were, you know, that were always kind of iconic, you know, pieces that he made. And, you know, uh, every family member had, a you know, a print of whatever he'd illustrated. Yeah, but I, yeah, it took me a lot to notice the kind of bronze sculptures that were also laying around, and and then eventually that led to him wanting to study film and animation. Uh-huh. And so he applied to all of these schools. He's a big, you know, sports and football fan, football primarily, um, and he wanted to go to all these like big kind of D one universities. And I think he said he really wanted to go to Michigan, um, to but he didn't get or in, just to watch. No, just to go to school. <laughs> Just, oh, to, just okay. to go and okay. study art there. But it was like, but the fascination with sort of the big, you know, the big athletic university was, I think, was more at the forefront of his thinking. I don't think I've heard of an artist looking for a D1 <laughs> sports school as a requirement. I know, it's really funny. But I think, I can't remember if he was recommended that he apply to CalArts as well. And for whatever reason, the person who was head of the, the film and animation department there, you know, really took a chance on him. And I think that ended up being the only the only program that he got into, oddly enough, mm. which is, is probably the, the best one he could have gone to, you know, for film and animation. I don't yeah, know. yeah. They turn out tons of people going to Disney and Pixar, right? It's a huge, huge animation place. Sure, sure. So, yeah, I guess growing up, a lot of my contact with, you know, art and, and, and making things, you know, drawing or my, my relationship to like materials or kind of observing what, what certain materials can do yeah, definitely came through him and, um, and yeah, just seeing, seeing his, his, his work really around. And, and he, while in New Orleans, he, he was kind of a mentor and, um, educator with this group called Yaya, Young, Young Artists, Young Aspirations in New Orleans, which was run by, uh, started by Janet Napoli. And I would, you know, go there, of course, staying with him and, and kind of hang around the studio. And so that was for like young artists in New Orleans who, and they did a bunch of like commissions and like public art projects and stuff. They like, they designed the the awards for the MTV Music Awards one year. It was, they were okay. like little wooden M's with, that had uh, clock mechanisms in them. And they were like painted all these wild colors. Uh, and they did like, I don't know, some Burger King commercial or something where they like painted a bunch of furniture. And this was like, you know, this is the, 
the early 90s so yeah, yeah. you know the color palette and yeah you know, the aesthetic was wacky yeah so that was like my exposure to that stuff but still like being an artist wasn't at all in my mind you know in terms of a career or anything when did you start thinking about it it wasn't so yeah i would say the second half of high school like my childhood even though i always drew and you know recognized that i that i enjoyed drawing you know mostly like sort of copying things copying photographs or images from magazines and things like that i i played sports you know i was i was you know i was really into particularly in grade school you know football basketball baseball you know that that kind of yeah, trinity yeah, of american yeah. athletics yeah. and then um, all three seasons yep and then um when you know, the Mighty Ducks films came out. I got super into like roller hockey and, oh, really? <laughs> and I was, I was, you know, really into the X games and, uh, and all of that when that, when that kind of blew Did up. You BMX or skate? I was, I was more inline skating and skateboarding. Okay. Yeah. But more, but more so inline because, because of the hockey thing. Yeah. Um, and luckily I had, yeah, I had a group around me who was also into that stuff. So, yeah. But then eventually basketball took over, you know, sort of the really kind of, yeah, I guess sixth grade to like, yeah, then through high school, it was, it was a basketball. And so at the start, I guess at the start of high school, my, my stepfather got a job relocation to Orlando, so we moved there. Oh, wow. And that was sort of shortly after my dad had finished up at CalArts. And I'd, you know, been visiting him at CalArts, you know, every other yeah. weekend, meeting yeah. his classmates and stuff. And, yeah. You know, going on like short film sets for, you know, friends of his who, who were in like live action, you know, film production, you know, all these things. But, uh, but yeah, still playing sports all the time. And yeah, I had a very short-lived sort of high school basketball career. Uh, but yeah, I, I just, I realized that it, what it took to pursue athletics in a really serious way and, a, and a, you know, at a sort of professional level was beyond what I was willing to commit to. And, you yeah. know, it requires a totally other kind of mentality. And right. you know, when it becomes that serious, it, it sort of got less fun to me. I realized that I yeah. wasn't as sort of excited and yeah. about that that aspect of training and, you know, the, the kind of mentality that that's involved in it that that other you know my teammates were so yeah um yeah I refocused uh, my energy and so I decided I was gonna somehow I got recommended to be put into an AP art program uh, in my high school huh. all the while I'm like not not a very good student you know I'm like <laughs> I mean even the drawing one I took you know as a freshman or something I might have got a B in it because I didn't do any of the like sketchbook assignments <laughs> or any homework I was like. <laughs> totally negligent uh to do anything with code but uh i started trying to shape it up sort of the, the second half of, of my time in high school and then occasionally not always but i would still kind of visit my dad uh who was still in california at that time in um, the la area um and visit him and, and sort of he would always sort of you know encourage the art making and my mom you know having seen him growing up you know pursue art like it was always a it was something that she was willing to entertain. You know, she was like, I, I know your dad's done it. I know he's made a career out of it. So, you know, it's not something, you know, she did, she never dismissed it. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, she was somewhat a, a creative in her own right. You know, she grew up as a hairdresser and, yeah. you know, and, you know, working in salons, you know, so I always sort of had this sense of like the hands and, and you know, so what they They're do. They're both sculptors. You know? Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. And uh, even my stepfather who, you know, sort of worked, more his background in engineering, but then he worked kind of as a project manager uh, for it for a defense company. Uh, you know, he worked for uh, Lockheed Martin, you know, mm. for a long time, and he still does. But uh, you know, yeah. from, from my childhood, 
also for whatever reason was very encouraging of, of artists and, of, your, of your art yeah yeah and really you know even even of me kind of not taking basketball as seriously because he 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 grew up coaching us you know he coached all my brothers they grew oh, up. okay he was a he was a college basketball player as well so okay. um that was very much uh, serious to him so then you took ap art so then my dad in california extended a challenge to me he was like look if you if you think you're serious about this you should do a summer program at an art school and then we'll see we'll see how serious you are and at that time i was really interested in, in illustration and i and it's sort of graphic novels and of course like films and movies but you know i really was into those communication arts illustration annuals you know that were just filled with like mm-hmm. amazing artwork i did not grow up going to museums like that you know so this this concept of an art history was something that wasn't was was foreign to me you know i wasn't wasn't very well acquainted with that so I did a summer program between my junior and senior year. It was at, uh, at Otis in Los Angeles. Oh, nice. Yeah. And I did their illustration program, uh, which is fantastic. And yeah, for the most part, it was like, you know, when you do those things, you're left to your own devices and, you know, you're like, yeah, uh, you know, meeting all kinds of people. You're sort of first time being in art school, surrounded by like, you know, everyone's sort of talented in some way, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I came back to high school, like ready to get the fuck out, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, like ready to like go to college, whatever that meant. Um, but still, <laughs> but still wasn't in a, in a, you know, didn't have the discipline to actually apply, you know, to go, oh, to, oh, really? to, go to a bunch of schools. Yeah. yeah like I, I kind of, uh, I, you know, I had an AP portfolio. I was really interested in SCAD at the time. And it's yeah, yeah. Savannah College of Art and Design. And Georgia. They had a, yep. They had yep. a great sequential art program. Um, I visited there for the portfolio review and I kind of got good feedback. I think it was the grades. I think my, my grades ended up being sort of just enough to get me to graduate. And yeah. so I wasn't confident that I could apply to a program and get in. And so my parents, you know, there's the three of them kind of collectively and I guess my, my stepmother as well, who, who my dad had married in the meantime, they all kind of collectively agreed that I, I would move to Los Angeles, live with them. Um, start community college and then get good grades and transfer, you know, mm. to, to another school. Um, so that's what I did. I went to SMC, you know, Santa Monica College, which at the time probably still does. I'm not sure. I'm kind of like out of touch regarding like Santa Monica reputation. But, um, you know, they were like one of the top transfer schools into the UC system or the California. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. So, yeah, you can sort of transfer into those schools, you know, without losing any time. Uh, and, and a lot of their instructors also taught at you know, the UCLA's and yeah, yeah. You know, the Cal State Irvine's, of, or, or sorry, the Cal State Long Beach's. Of, the know, adjuncts, like around. circle. Sure. So, funnily enough, I, I mean, still because of my kind of graphic, uh, graphic novel and illustration interests, I was really interested in Art Center. And I think it's because a lot of the artists, you know, again, in those communication arts annuals, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. So many artists came out of Art Center. So, and, yeah, and, then, yeah. and then artists that I had met through just my dad, who had, at this time had started working in the visual effects studio industry. Um, this was sort of, he got a job there, like right at the time where you could still kind of, you know, learn digital animation on the job, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because yeah, he yeah. did traditional stop motion animation. So um, they weren't really teaching, you know, Maya and rendering like in school the way they do now. So, he started working for a studio called Rhythm and Hughes, you know, doing commercials in the, initially and then, you know, moving into doing feature films. And whenever I'd be with him, I'd, you know, visit the office in the studio, meet a lot of his colleagues in different departments. 
and a lot of the lighters or compositors, you know, who were working digitally were also these like incredible illustrators yeah. and, uh, and many of them went to art center. <laughs> so that was still in my brain of like, okay, I need to go to this place to be this badass illustrator. Um, <laughs> but, um, I ended up not applying to any schools in California actually for whatever reason they were really interested in me, like pushing me to like apply to universities. Uh, also like some HBCUs, some historically black colleges, which, yeah. which in the end I sort of actually, I, I did apply to them. You know, I applied to Morehouse, I applied to Hampton, I think I applied to Howard. Um, and then, uh, but yeah, it was such a nightmare, man. You think about how easy it is to apply to shit now. Yeah, like I had yeah. to get slides developed, you know. For yeah, like, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I still have my slides somewhere in my room. <laughs> Yeah, I do too, somewhere. I have no idea where. But yeah, walking to the post office, mailing off all these things, hoping it gets, hoping they arrive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, where else? Oh, yeah, I applied to the Temple as well. Uh, okay. But I, yeah, I was really interested in Tyler for some reason and maybe Philly. But I, yeah, there were, part of it was on reputation. Part of it was on like, you know, the work that came out of the catalog. Yeah. You know, yeah. the work that I saw. It sounds like your family was, you know, really supportive, but also because of your dad's background was able to guide you in really interesting ways. Cause like I, at that age, didn't know any of those schools or even had much thought about like who's coming out of where, you know, sure, that was like, sure. that was like the last thing on my mind. Like, Oh, people are coming out of this school who I like. And I didn't know anyone even like contemporary going, coming out of these schools. So I didn't even have yeah. those thoughts. Well, again, like I didn't know it was a specific lens. I was seeing all this through of course, For me, yeah. it was all technical. It was like, okay, how well do these people draw at the school? You know, how well do <laughs> yeah. these people paint? You know, yeah. I didn't know who any of the names were. I didn't yeah. know what any of the accolades meant. I didn't yeah. know any of that stuff. And again, some of it was just reputation. You know, I knew it was, there was this, the Chappelle show was, was on during that time. Mm-hmm. And I remember when they had De La Soul as a musical guest. Uh-huh. And one of the members of De La Soul was wearing a Pratt t-shirt. Or maybe it was Pratt. Chappelle. Maybe it was Chappelle who was wearing it. Oh, I don't know if they went there, but they were referenced. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Brooklyn, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I was like, oh, yeah, Pratt, that's dope. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they lost those rocking the switch. You know, it's like, so I had no idea like what, what these things were beyond like, you know, optics. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so initially I, I had accepted Pratt, actually. I got in there. Uh, it was kind of a hit or miss as it is with usual in terms of where I got in, where I didn't. And I had also gotten into Micah, but uh, there was something, yeah, something like burning inside of me that said I should go to Micah instead. Oh. And so that's where I ended up. So I, um, I transferred, yeah, I did two years of Santa Monica College, you know, had a solid portfolio, had much better grades. And then I transferred to Micah initially in their, their general fine arts department because I wasn't yeah. sure where I wanted to major. I knew I wanted to start painting. Um, I hadn't really painted, you know, before oh, college. Okay. Like my only painting experience was like, just kind of playing around with acrylic and yeah, then sort yeah. of like watercolor. And yeah. then while I was at Santa Monica, I did some gouache painting, you know, because of the sort of intro to design courses I took. But everything for me was like drawing and pastel. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Purple. And then eventually, once I took painting one, you know, which was technically my, you know, third year of college, but, you know, sophomore at Micah, yeah. I was hooked and sort of yeah. like... Oils, acrylics. Oil painting. Oil yeah. painting, yeah. Immediately switched to the painting department. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. That was that. <laughs> um, yeah. And after you graduated, did you, were you like, okay, I'm going to be a painter. I'm going to be an artist or. Again, it was nonlinear. I feel like I was in maybe a similar place, but in terms of not knowing what's next, 
a similar place that I was in high school. Um, so I had met Adelaide, who's you know Zach's sister that you mentioned. Um, you know the the friend of yours, you knew whose <laughs> sister. You I sort of about. know. <laughs> uh, right, right, right. I met her while I was at Micah. Um, she also went there, and we sort of met through mutual friends. Oh, mind you, also Adelaide had finished. Uh, she finished a year before me, and she had done uh, a working holiday visa in England. There are visa programs for certain countries, at least for the U.S., in which they would allow periods of, of legal work, you know, for U.S. citizens. And so at the time, the only countries offering those to Americans were the kind of Commonwealth countries. So it was Australia, New Zealand, uh, Ireland, and the U.K. And she went to England because she had also applied for, she applied to go to grad school for creative writing at the University of Sussex. Uh, she wasn't sure if she wanted to go to high, to, to go to grad school and like take out more loans. So she opted to do this working holiday just to see sort of how she liked living in the UK. Mm. And we kind of agreed that we'd want to do the same thing together when I was finished with school. So I also knew I wasn't interested. It definitely didn't have the energy to apply to graduate school <laughs> and sort of get reacclimated, you know, yeah. in my, in my spring semester to graduate. Yeah. 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 Um, That'd be a lot but, actually. Yeah, a lot. Um, and, you know, it was quite common, I think, for particularly in the painting program at MICA for people to go straight to other programs. And a lot of, you know, a lot of artists did, you know, it, I mean, MICA was a very good kind of pipeline to, to Yale, for sure, to Hunter, to UPenn, or to, to PAFA, you know, a lot of these kind of really, really yeah. big painting schools. And so, of course, those, those things were on my mind. But yeah, I definitely wasn't in a position to kind of do that. And I, and I also didn't know sort of what what I wanted to go to grad school for either. Um, yeah, I, I had that problem too. I needed to take some yeah, time off. For sure. And now I recommend that to everyone. Yes, <laughs> and it's, yes. Um, and it sort of shows that, you know, there is a difference in terms of seeing a, a group of grad students, uh, the difference between those who are coming straight out of school, you know, yeah. from one program to another versus those who've taken some time. Of course, there's no like, there's nothing like sort of consistent or, or like, there's no rule about it, but yeah, yeah, there's definitely a difference in terms of the attitude or like where yeah. they're at in their own practices. Yeah. So yeah, well, I guess what we ended up doing was going to, to New Zealand because that was at the time that was the, the country offering the longest visa for a year. And we went through. So can an you organiz- work while there, these visas? Yeah. Really? Yeah. You can so apply for a New Zealand visa and work there? Yeah. So it's strictly wow. to go there and work, you know, strictly to go there and sort of live live no, you know a, a regular life you know as a i didn't know i didn't, I didn't know that yeah yeah mm-hmm. i mean still i think they still offer it i think there's an age uh there's an age cutoff it used mm-hmm. to be 30 i think now it's mm-hmm. maybe 35 i'm way, I'm way past that <laughs> yeah uh and even they, they've kind of ad- adapted it later and ter- turned it into something called like the silver fern visa and it was really to to get people Although they they was they were really more trying to attract people who were in fields that New Zealand was lacking, mm. people who could fill positions in yeah. those fields. Yeah. Um, we just went and there were there were kind of no restrictions on that. So nice. we did a variety of jobs. We ended up doing that for two years. That sounds fun. It land, was fun. land of Lord of the Rings, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's funny. I ended up working the first the first year. I ended up working in the the cinema. You know, the Embassy Theater through which uh, I think it was the second Lord of the Rings film was premiered, actually. Um, Peter Jackson's uh, effects company, what a digital, they're based outside of Wellington. Um, So yeah, that's like near and dear uh, to them. Um, But that was, yeah, it was a really cool experience. It was, you know, totally new, 
of course we we realized that we went there like not knowing anything about the country <laughs> um, but yeah it was primarily not art related you know our experience there um yeah. you know it was mostly retail again i worked for cinema she worked for a variety of jobs uh you know we yeah. both worked part-time for for like an art gallery which is kind of like a like a non-collecting contemporary institution that was in wellington which was yeah. cool um and then the second year when we kind of went back we settled in christchurch which uh was also great um i ended up working in menswear there uh, menswear <laughs> yeah okay and you know had to wear a suit every day which which i actually really dug uh, um but yeah you know it was great you know we kind of we we sort of grew up there together in a way you know which that's, is that's sweet yeah which was really nice and you're just living which is important i think that's yeah. i mean you're talking about like earlier about going from undergrad to grad i think that's one of the things you miss at least i noticed in students this just what does it mean to live outside of the university yeah. and i think inevitably you're um you know, what you deem important both in life and in your arts, and they're so intricately tied that the way you work and approach art, I think, changes. I don't think you can get away from that. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, yeah, the space too that you you have, or or even like the the motivation, like what do you do when no one's asking you to make anything? Yeah, absolutely. You know that you you might not have an audience, you know, or like there's nowhere to put the things you make, you know, which is, yeah still the case you know some in some ways um but uh yeah i think that some those are questions you contend with always depending on where you're where you're at so then how did you how did you end up deciding to go back to grad school yeah i mean i miss yeah this this sort of saga continues i guess i was doing i was doing uh, a lot of small you know small paintings kind of in wherever our living rooms were you know small drawings and in bedrooms and stuff yeah uh, you know, largely inspired by, by, you know, fashion magazines, like using these kinds of photographic sources while working at the cinema or actually at the, at the, that, that art uh, space, we became friends with a publicist there who was also kind of a, a film critic, you know, freelance and was hugely in, interested in, in film. And we would do like kind of screenings after hours in the art space in their screening room, which is super fun. Oh, nice. But he, he wrote for this, this film review online publication called Lumiere that was based in Wellington and I did a bunch of illustrations for them you know for for various reviews and and particularly during festival time there were a selection of films that were reviewed that I did some illustrations for yeah I I guess that's a way of saying that I always kind of kept some sort of like modest you know art making activity you know even in in these small spaces and that kind of carried over into when we eventually had to leave New Zealand my sort of visa was up we were trying to decide where to move back to in the U.S. Uh, we ended up moving to Portland because uh, Adelaide's sister had moved there in the meantime. Mm-hmm. Uh, invited us to stay with her to see how we liked the city. Portland, and Oregon, that, right? In Oregon, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that turned into about three years. Um, over over which time? That was this is also 2008. Uh, so okay, yeah, recession time. To everyone's getting laid off. You know, job market is really struggling. You know, Adelaide, I think did so many like internships through through which her bosses would get laid off while she was like shortly after she started the internship. Oh, Jesus Christ. 2008 um, when I graduated. But I was um, I was lucky I got teaching job in Korea just when that started. Nice. Yeah, I get was it it wasn't teaching English, was it or was it something else? It was teaching um SATs. It was, oh, a, te- it was a test prep. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess the first job that I got was working in like a pizza place and 
Hmm. as a delivery driver, which turned into wow. me being a pizza cook and like a prep cook for them. Oh, wow. So you wait, you made and, pizza? Yeah. Oh, nice. Uh, so I did that like my whole time there, actually. And eventually I decided I wanted to go back to school because uh, we were just, we needed a, an out from Portland. I think it was, it was waning on us kind of not feeling like we weren't able to do the things we really wanted to do. And, and um, yeah, I applied to a variety of programs. I actually, I actually applied to Cornell. Um, it had gotten in there uh, to their program. And it was sort of between there and Washington University in St. Louis because they had, I was also looking for free programs, like programs where I could get, you know, pay little to no money. Yeah. And uh, WashU had built within it a fellowship program that's sort of university wide, but, you know, waives your tuition and also pays you a really generous stipend. So that's I applied amazing. there. Yeah. Not thinking at all that I had a chance, you know, it was a separate application for the fellowship. Yeah, I, I had no, I had no sense of like what I was, how my work was seen, sort of what I was capable of. You know, I'd been making pizza and like making like tiny paintings of, you know, based yeah, on short yeah. stories for for two and a half years. You know, yeah. and, but uh, but yeah, I ended up getting in there and being invited for the interview for the fellowship, which allowed me to visit the campus because it was it coincided with the open house uh, for the art school. And yeah, I liked what I saw. Um, yeah, I, I, I did a really long walk. People in St. Louis know how long this is. I did a long walk from Clayton to downtown, sort of through the middle of the city. It's probably about a seven mile walk. Okay. So I did it through over the course of a day. You know, I had like a free day or an extra day during my trip. And there was a hotel that the fellowship put us up in, which is super nice. And so yeah, I walked from that hotel to downtown just to see what the city was like. And I think maybe I rode the light rail back or something. But yeah, I, I really dug walking around and, you know, the program was interdisciplinary, pretty big. Um, it was, it was two year program. There's about 20, 20 to 25 students a class. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, they were all mixed up and there was a solid representation of painting, but also a solid re representation of other kinds of practices, which was also very new to me. Um, at this point, were you thinking of yourself as a painter? Were you, you were oh, just absolutely, sort of... absolutely painter, uh, even, you know, uh, quite a narrative painter, you oh, know, very, very okay. figurative, okay. Uh, very much influenced by character and story. And, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, I was, I was making a series of works inspired by this Amiri Baraka short story, like a series of his short stories from this book of his Tales from the Out and Gone, which is kind of like a really interesting book of poetry and kind of like subtle science fiction. Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of absurd stories uh, and characters that were like so so interesting you know it, it like represented like a really i don't know kind of nuanced look at at who these people were you know this just the kind of like guys next door you know who, who were doing these incredible inventions uh one of which was a, a story called conrad loomis and the clothes ray in which this guy you know this quirky guy uh invents this this ray gun that produces clothing made of light and so, you know, the story is that he, you know, his friend goes over to check out this, this invention and then it kind of unfolds through their, their conversation of the implications of an invention like this. Huh. And so that really got my mind buzzing and sort of thinking about how that story could continue. And so, yeah, I was making a series of works based on that sort of yeah. the continuation of this narrative. But yeah, getting into grad school, or once I started grad school and started to try to make this work, uh, yeah, I... It, it wasn't satisfactory and I wasn't really getting the responses or the results that I was really looking for. And so, yeah, there was a, a bit of a shift uh, in the, in my practice to really, to try to like identify what it was about that story, you know, all the many threads that run through it 
all the many different things it brought to mind, you know, over kind of thinking about sort of identity and construction and the way we see ourselves, uh, you know, maybe the racial dynamics of of it, uh, the political implications for sure. Um, Just trying to identify like what it was about all of these things that made me gravitate towards this narrative and become so interested in it. So I started really looking at at kind of these childhood moments or Hmm. a particular period in my childhood of when like certain affinities were, were starting to, to become established for things. And so, yeah, I made a, a good, yeah, year or two, you know, made work kind of thinking about my childhood. Like what were you, what were you making? Um, yeah. So I started making sculptures. So I it started with like, it's like a novel to me at the time, but like uh, yeah, yeah. really super ordinary. F- found objects. Yeah. Well, it was like, oh, maybe it doesn't have, to, maybe every work doesn't have to be, you know, one painting. It could be, a couple paintings <laughs> it could be a, it could be a few you know it could be a so few you you're painting like paintings. really complicated large narrative paintings um uh yeah, they were like you know they were multi-figure yeah. drawings and yeah. paintings yeah. um or like really active you know there were like scenes of things happening yeah. mm-hmm. and so then i started par- paring down and really thinking about you know certain objects or like a series of objects from my yeah. childhood yeah. And, and kind of re tapping back into, you know, this kind of still life practice that I established in, in undergrad, but applying, you know, more backstory to them, yeah. you know, kind of like embedding them with, with some meaning or some sort of personal, personal resonance. Yeah. And then that moved into sort of creating these more like, you know, image installation sorts of things. So multiple yeah. paintings with, with objects and sort of having, thinking about the relationship between those things. And then that moved into like, I, I guess in grad school, I, there was still something about painting I wanted to be attached to. You know, there was still admittedly a lot of ego and sort of what I was capable of, like as a painter. <laughs> uh, and sort of like having that blurred line between like what I was able to make and what I was finding, you know. And, yeah, and yeah. you know, so I was really interested in this idea of kind of constructing everything yeah. um, and making them look like found objects or look like found images. What do you mean? Like you would construct them, you create your own objects from scratch and make yeah. it look like yeah, that. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So like my, my thesis install was kind of like simulating this like dressing room, in which I made, I made a collection of eyeglasses, you know, that I had hand painted to look like tortoiseshell or, you know, mm. a number of other materials. And I, mm. you know, I, I made a few pairs of like Oxfords or dress shoes that I had hand carved and painted, you know, it was mm-hmm. things like that. Uh, in addition to like some, some copies. So I, I had, I had a, I had an artist copy of like a, of uh, Edward Wheelard's self-portrait that was also in the space. And it was a, it was a self-portrait in the dressing room mirror. So it was kind of reflecting on the situation that yeah. I was constructing. Yeah. Um, so there was still like a relationship to making and like, you know, the, the sort of the handcrafted object, but yeah. also thinking about art history and seeing the self, you know, and that yeah. was, that was kind of all wrapped up in there. And yeah, my thesis, which I, which I really liked about that program is that you had to write, you had to have a written thesis. And so the emphasis on research and writing, like really, I don't know, ignited something in me, you know, yeah, a different yeah. relationship to, to reading and writing that I really enjoy. And so I had a lot of fun with that process as well. Yeah, and it was kind of like thinking about costuming and and masculinity, and so I was talking about like superheroes, athletes, and then you know the the sort of stereotypical or iconic gentleman figure. Uh, so then thinking about menswear again and how that relates to sort of uniforms and <laughs> superhero costumes. Yeah, so it was like a nice kind of I don't know a nice full circle of, yeah, of like yeah. life experience that sort of fed into yeah. that work. You know, 
And then you went on a string of residencies, it seems like. Uh, not immediately. I mean, I did, I did want, they were kind of initially spaced out. You know, I think that both of us, you know, during this time, Adelaide was also, you know, taking advantage of the time she had. And I mean, of course she was like working a lot uh, during this time as well, but you know, she had a lot of space to kind of re, I don't know, get reacquainted with her studio practice. And so she started making things and uh, also applying to go to school as well. So she also applied to a number of programs um, uh, in addition to the WashU program and that same fellowship and ended up getting it. So, but I, but I say that to say that we were, I think, always looking to kind of to go elsewhere. I think we were, we had, we had interest in, you know, once again, like experiencing a new place. Yeah. And you had the travel book. Exactly. And so I think between me finishing and her starting, uh, we did a residency together and that was in Finland. That was the first residency we did. And then, yeah, there were just ones that were kind of trick sprinkled throughout, you know, when I came back, there was also quite a lot, I think it was a good year before I started teaching where I, you know, I got my first teaching opportunity and, you know, I was working part-time in, in museums, you know, I worked for the Pulitzer Foundation for a while. I also worked, uh, at, a, you know, another pizza restaurant, oh, you know, really? I, I learned very quickly that, you know, if you have pizza making experience, it's very easy to get a oh, job. Really? In pizza, I, yeah. I, make, I, I make my own pizza, but I've never done it at a, as a restaurant at a restaurant yeah. or pizza shop. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I had experience of like actually tossing dough, you know, so I, you know, the place <laughs> I worked at in Portland, we made, you know, we made 18 inch pizzas. So wow. with that experience, it was very easy to get a job. I got one initially at this deep dish place called pie in St. Louis. And then, um, just totally different kind of making. Um, but I also did some prep cooking for them, not prep mm. cooking, sorry. I did appetizers and desserts for them as well. Uh, and then later I worked for this Neapolitan place that did like, you know, wood fire and brick oven. Yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. Which is, which is still holds to be, I think, my one of my, among my favorite styles of pizza. Yeah. Uh, but all totally different processes. So like I had, you know, I have like a wide range of <laughs> skill sets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a side note, but um, uh, yeah, just kind of, figuring, figuring stuff out, you know, still like applying for grants and stuff, always applying to residencies, of course, like, you know, you're out of school, you're applying for teaching jobs as well, you know, sort of not, not understanding how out of your depth you are in doing that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Definitely applying for residencies that were totally beyond uh, where I was at the time, you know, residencies I've got, I've applied to multiple times, you know, some of which I still haven't gotten others. I, yeah. I did. Yeah. But I think what was really a kind of a, a shift for me was when I got the uh, the Great Rivers Biennial, uh, which is actually going on now, you know, currently. But it's uh, it's a biennial program that the Contemporary Art Museum offers, uh, in which you get a pretty generous stipend award and also a, you know a solo museum, a solo exhibition in the museum. Oh, nice! And so that's offered to three artists every two years. And so I got that in 2015. And for that to open in 2016, uh, at least once I sort of that show was completed, that set me on a different kind of trajectory, you know, in, in what, terms in what of, way? Well, I, I just I think um, definitely the space, but also probably the uh, the scale, you know, and, and kind of the ambitious nature of the work that I was able to show in the museum hmm. um, just made I think made me much more competitive for things that I was applying for. What did you show there? I showed a really big, so yeah, by this time I wasn't working, I wasn't painting much at all. I was primarily working in sculpture. A residency that I'd done in 2014 was at the um, Atlantic Center for the Arts. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's, yeah, a three-week program uh, in kind of 
central eastern Florida. Really cool space, really cool residency. It's uh, 24 people at a time, eight for three different disciplines. Uh, When I was there, it was poetry, music composition, and visual art. And for each discipline, you apply to work with like a master artist. Right, right. It, even though yeah. no one likes that term. Uh, <laughs> they none, of the master, none of the master artists oh, like Oh, really? Um, um, I, I, I've looked at it, but every time I've looked, uh, I didn't find anyone interesting at the time that I happened yeah. to look. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it has to, I think it's a, it's a, definitely an experience that has to make sense. Like the person going has to make sense for you. Yeah. Because you apply to them, you know, and they yeah, select. Yeah, yeah. Right, so, right. So, yeah, I, at the time... I applied. It was Louis Gispert, whose work I really like. And, you know, uh, and just from looking at his work and, and sort of um, there, there have been times where like I apply to something and, and kind of have a good feeling about it. Yeah. <laughs> and this was, this is one of those, this was one was of those that? times. I think yeah. this is the first time because I just seeing the nature of his work and the sort of things that he was interested in, the, the sort of way that I, the casual nature by which I spoke about what I wanted to do there and how I wanted to spend my time, which was also based on sort of how, how he outlined his his desire for the for the, the residency experience. Hmm. Yeah, I just I kind of had a feeling he would identify the way I wrote that yes. in, in a positive way. So it ended up working out like thankfully, and um, and yeah, I was super excited to go there. And the people I met there, you know, I'm still friends with today. And and that was yeah, I think that that experience really transformed my work. It was it was at a time where I I just had leading up to that, like sort of right before I left for that, I had opened. I kind of first one person exhibition uh, in a space in St. Louis that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, it was called Fort Gondo, in which I did something totally deviant from anything I'd done before. It was a it was a it was a yeah an exhibition inspired by kind of the kind of classic like golden era of Disney uh, animation aesthetic. It's where I did these oversized film cells, uh-huh. uh, these kind of animation cells of this character that I had invented. Uh, so it was a young kid who realized that he could make objects levitate and kind of manipulate objects in space. So this was an animation or, or, or it was all still. So it was oh, okay. all, it was all paintings made to look like animation. So, uh, okay. and then also these kind of flattened cardboard sculptures uh, that had that whose image were also animation cells that were cutouts. So they were shaped mm. and they were of just objects kind of floating or hovering in the space. And so I mean, yeah, I was just really, for whatever reason, obsessed with animation at that time. I think, oh, I'd seen uh, Matthias Poledna's imitation of life piece. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's a piece that he showed in the the 2013 uh, Venice Biennial. And he'd hired this production company to to make this original piece of traditional animation that really referenced kind of the visual language of the, you know, kind of the 40s and 50s. It's like a minute yeah. video, right? It looks like it looks like it looks like a Disney old film, yeah. but it's 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 an original. Yeah, yeah I've seen it. Yeah. yeah, and there was some of the readings of that kind of thinking about the I don't know the racial uh, implications of it. I I just was like really blown away by, and so that kind of inspired me to use that well, language as well, a listener. Well, how was it being talked about again? Well, I mean, it, it, it was discussed in, in relation to the film Imitation of Life, which already kind of deals with uh, racial passing and, and sort of self-shame, you know, as it relates to the main, one of the main characters' mixed heritage and mm. sort of the, the acceptance of her mother, who is a black woman, you know, even while she is able to sort of pass in the world as a white woman. So it's kind of loosely it made a, a loose sort of relation to that, uh, but also in thinking about state of the country and race relations during the time of 
the era in which this kind of animation was was prominent. Those things being put in in you know face to face with one another, uh, I found really interesting. Uh, and so I, yeah, I just I thought yeah I thought I would I would kind of do my own version uh, huh. of of kind of exploring that kind of aesthetic through the character of you know you know this young African American kid who discovers that he has a, a particular power and realizing his relationship to objects you know in his environment right. So yeah, I'd done that, which is the only the only project in which I've done work like that, and to this day, you know, like before, like prior to that or after that, that remains kind of a uh, an outlier in in my work. Um, in a good or bad way? I think a bad way, actually. I think oh, it's really? always been something I'd like to return to, and it's it's something definitely a visual language I'd like to return to, but also a character that I'm still really interested in. I mean, yeah. ideally it would be amazing if that actually were to be a feature film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just need a, I need a good writer. Uh, <laughs> writing, writing screenplays is incredibly difficult. I've attempted it a couple of times and it's, yeah, I can't get beyond like, I don't know, like the 50, the 50 page mark, which is really? technically I've the never, 50 I've never, minute mark. I never tried that. Yeah. Super hard. Um, yeah. And but yeah, yeah, it's something I'd like to return to, even even if it were just sort of like a short promo film. But animation is an incredibly tedious process that I don't have the patience for. So yeah, yeah, and um, it also, it's also like a different way of working and planning compared to how like yeah. most um, most visual artists who happen to make videos work with. Yeah, yeah, it's all the it, planning. Yeah, it's such a time commitment, you know. And it, I think, and I think one of the reasons I all I all had already stopped sort of painting was because because of the time I spend on paintings, you know, I take quite a long time to make them. And, and I think there, there is also a way in which, you know, I also kind of work much more in in the manner of like an oil sketch. You know, I feel like that's like, has, has become, if there's any sort of signature that I'd adhere to, that might be one of them sort of working, you know, with very little color, with very little material and kind of having these like hazy kind of washed out paintings. Um, and so those can be a bit quicker, but typically like when I really want to sort of utilize the medium of painting, it's for things that require much more time. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I, I was in a place in which I really was, was trying to match the pace of making with, you know, the pace of that ideas were coming in. Yeah. 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 And so I'd started using more like found images or sort of altering them in different ways. You know, I did a series of drawings that were like these altered Xerox copies, you know, it was a series of like basketball players who uh, I would like re, I would, I would like sand or erase out their uniforms and redress them. Um, this is on, and, on, you'd sand the paper that it was on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I would like sand, sand out the toner, erase out the toner and then redraw in with charcoal and, and pencil. Uh, yeah. Different outfits on them and then sort of rescan those and, you know, represent them. But yeah, I just, I needed quicker working methods. And so, yeah, after that kind of animation theme show, I went to this residency uh, with the intention of only using uh, these magazine images uh, that I had scanned, you know, and kind of uploaded into this like online archive that I had amassed and huh. you know, with my challenge to just make things using this archive. That's a good challenge. Yeah. Uh, and that's what sort of started me for, it kept me for a while, just definitely in terms of my engagement with magazines and, and right. objects in them but certainly in terms of my using photography um, but that's also where I first started like making these cutout sculptures in which I would like take objects or body parts yeah. or you know within magazines and, and kind of represent them in these as these flattened sculptures yeah it's funny that yeah because like up until this point all the work you talked about I, I didn't really see on your website mm-hmm. yeah so it's yeah. interesting that, that when we have that shift right and like 
Yeah, I'm also yeah. I'm also thinking about that in my own work and like I I started a uh, a lot of my work I started out with it were like found object sculptures but now I make mostly videos and for a long time I've been thinking about just like getting rid of all the sculptures on my website. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it doesn't to me it doesn't seem relevant at least on some level. Yeah, it's funny because and it, you wonder I mean particularly we think about now and like we're branding you know yeah. consistently yeah, <laughs> seems yeah. more important right yeah yeah. And it's not just the brand of branding of like, you know, this is who I am, but it's more of like, what it, this is, this is what I'm able to do, right. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like these are all the things I'm capable of. Like yeah, consider yeah. me, yeah. you know, in, in, in relation to all of these different contexts, yeah, please, yeah. you know, you know, and so the website, my website as it is now is, is, is redesigned. You know, I kind of recently got rid of the old one that had a lot more work on it actually. And I'm still trying to decide yeah, yeah what makes sense to, yeah to actually bring forward and yeah and and what to just sort of not put to rest but uh yeah how how do i contextualize old work you know yeah. in, in relation to the new stuff that's that's the question i'm still kind of asking myself yeah it just struck me i think recently that your color scheme was the cmyk color scheme for your website yeah. which yeah. ties yeah. you quite clearly into the um i guess the magazine kind of work mm -hmm. that you've been talking about mm-hmm mm -hmm. You know, so I was looking through some of your work and I'm just curious, what is your working process when you're looking at like all these different archival magazine materials and how to, I mean, and it, I noticed it led you to a lot of different mediums as well. Like the, um, the jacquard cloth, which I also was curious, how do you get that made? I've always seen mm -hmm. it. I, I've, I've just assumed you send it to someone and a loom makes it, but I have no idea. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I'm, just, I, I'm just curious, like, yeah, how do these, these archives of, of, of magazines kind of spins out into the different threads that you work with? Um, I, it's different reasons all the, I think all the time. I think initially when I started using them, they were, again, it was just kind of like an exercise. It was like, you know, how do I make creative use of these things that I have? How do I merge like what I'm obsessed with in my regular life, you know, kind of subscribing to these magazines and, and the studio, which I, you know, always viewed them as kind of separate things up until that point for whatever reason. And so I think initially it was, it was sort of like a, or I realized it was a valuation of like my own taste in some way, like, you know, examining the things that I was drawn to and like, yeah, I guess it became, yeah, it became kind of these, this weird way of, of arriving at like a self portraiture through objects that I'm mm. sort of consuming visually. But there was, there, but there is some, you know, I mean, maybe in this kind of like, you know, surrealist practice of like, of, you know, random association of like trying yeah. to see like what what new interpretations I could like project onto something that was readily available. And so part of it, I think in terms of so making selections was about, you know, odd pairings or just juxtapositions or, you know, one context that might illuminate something about another context or sort of this, you know, what, what emerges from the, you know, the, the collection of things. And I think that has, that's shifted now, I think, cause you know, that's, that's very, potentially you know conceptually driven but it's mostly aesthetically driven yeah and i think now i'm i'm kind of i'm trying to move more into yeah something that's a bit more specific to sort of the context of the source material or like you know for instance now i'm you know really working with uh you know ads from national geographic you know from mm -hmm. a particular time uh you know this is from like the late you know, the late 70s to the early 90s and sort of looking at the objects that are being advertised within that publication and sort of what that says about the world during that time period. 
but it's the first time to where I'm like, I'm not just kind of selecting free form and removing the context from the image and using yeah, the yeah, image yeah, for yeah. sort of aesthetic value, but like really thinking about the content of it as well and sort of the, the kind of commercial aspects of the image, which, yeah, which is a different way of working, I think, than, than, I, than I've worked from in the past, which is really like taking something out of its context. Right, now I'm really right. trying to work with the context and, you know, and see what that means or yeah. how, that, how that changes things. And I guess the material wise, I think it, you know, that's the, I guess the way in which painting sort of remains. I kind of think about the presentation of work through a, a, a kind of a painter's lens yeah. of like, you know, what are those sort of tactile surface, you know, qualities that I can maintain, you know, whether I'm printing something out or whether I'm using a photograph or yeah, even yeah. whether I'm, you know, making sculptures, I think the yeah, the weavings were another way of accessing that like kind of tangibility of an image. And so thinking about that as like a, almost a kind of 3D printing, you know, but, yeah. but, but with image, you know, you know, yeah, with, yeah. With cloth rather than, yeah, rather than a more volumetric sense of, of the word. And yeah, I think you see those so much because it's so easy to have them made. <laughs> you know, I, I got mine made through Walmart, you know, Walmart online. Wait, Walmart know. makes that? Yeah. Like Walmart photo has uh, a service. And it, it's, I need it's to kind make of a, some new art objects. It's, it's a kitschy, you know, it's, 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 it's a kitschy service, right? And you can do like family portraits or like dog portraits with it. But uh, but, but it yeah, looks so good. Action. It looks so good. Yeah, it's incredibly huh. seductive, you know, as as an outcome, man. And um, and you know, I haven't made many of them uh, because I do. I feel like it's so easy to. <laughs> it's such an easy and seductive result, right? That. It's, it's really something you could run away with. But given that I think many artists have adopted that as a, as a form, it's worthwhile to have, you know, to have like a genuine intention in using yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, I, I'm pretty, uh, pretty specific in terms of the things that I'd like to get made. The initial ones that are there on my, on my, that, you, that are visible now are the ones that have been shown uh, were sort of the first experiments of using images that I had made or, you know, altered or collected uh, like five, I guess, you know, a few different kinds of images that I work with. And so I was just kind of curious to see how each of them performed in, in this, in this material. Yeah. And moving forward, I think it's, yeah, it'll be a bit more, a bit more deliberate in terms of why that's being used as a methodology. But. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and also I was just thinking about what you're talking about, how you still see of, see a lot of the things you're doing as influenced by painting and it's hard it's hard to get away from all those years spent painting yeah you know yeah. i think about my my current work and how just thinking about composition and color there's a very uh process way of them doing things that are influenced by you know all the years i spent painting that i i never thought that that's what would happen mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. yeah it's it's one of those i don't know yeah i, I mean you're so right i mean that's what it is the yeah, all those years, whether it's ingrained in you or whether it's, I mean, I mean, not to say that that, that that's the case for everyone. I mean, people sort of yeah, yeah. leave it behind and, and are you know, incredibly happy to do so, you know, and never return to it again. But yeah, there's something, there's something about it. I think also something about, you know, I always joke that I don't like making paintings. I just, I just like having, having had them done, you know? <laughs> you know? Oh, I like, I like the process of making paintings. <laughs> But I get less joy out of them after they're done. That's funny. Yeah, there's that that that's slipperier for me. I think I uh, there's something about uh, it. Really depends, and maybe this is the case for a lot of things. When something's going well, 
Yeah. It's enjoyable when you're struggling through something, it's a real pain in the ass. And uh-huh. I think that I found that I enjoyed, I did enjoy struggling through the painting process as much as I enjoyed struggling through other things that I didn't uh... learn. And so, yeah, I, I just sort of wish that, yeah, I don't know. I wish that I was just more efficient of a painter. So I didn't have to sort of think about that process so much. Yeah. Yeah. Abstract painting is still there for you. It is. Yeah. And I, yeah. you know, and, and I've entertained that as well. You know, there, there are some, there are yeah. ways I've, I've found to sort of incorporate kind of hard edged abstraction or, or more graphical uses of, yeah, graphic uses of, of painting that have kind of entered into the lexicon. But yeah, when it comes to figuration, because I think I still have this sort of deep uh, attraction to, to representation. You know, I think cinema has a lot to do with that. Definitely sort of fashion photography has a lot to do with it. So then when you make your sculptures, though, your sculptures are quite abstract. How do you view your sculptures in that in that relationship? I saw a series where you did a bunch of basketball players, and then there's also a, another show that you did where, like, Z- Zal 8, where those were less oh, obvious yeah. what exactly the objects were. Sure, sure. But in terms of yeah. the abstractiveness of it, it, it seemed to be, I didn't really think of figuration as much. Yeah, I think those, I mean, that's definitely more of a, that's definitely more of kind of a yeah found object approach um, to to it, but also one that really references the the production process and and kind of references you know like that kind of basketball installation of those figures you know references the the industry or the circulation of images and the production yeah. of them, which I'm also yeah I'm you know also really excited about like I yeah I'm still I'm still a sucker for like. What? You know, the kind of industrial found object sculptural uh, practice, you know what I mean? And Home Depot art. Yeah, <laughs> to some degree. Yeah. Uh, but I think that, yeah, my, I think using kind of the materials and, and yeah, those peripheral uh, objects related to the printing process, you know, really yeah. stood out to me as, as, as quite beautiful objects. You know, I love, you know, I love the brown packaging, you know, that's something that, you know, I've kind of like, incorporated into to even more image-based works that I've used in terms of like toning grounds or like working on, you know, cardstock yeah. or chipboard or yeah. kind of embracing the, the, the brownness or, or yeah. uh, as, as a kind of new neutrality, hmm. um, you know, and, and kind of thinking about that. And, you know, so those brown boxes become brown bodies in a way, you know, and mm-hmm. with these kind of images and, and, and objects, you know, adorning them. Yeah, it just became another another access to talk about, you know, to talk about the body and to talk about figuration from a totally different perspective. Yeah. So yeah, I still, and I still, I'm still, I think those, those, those sorts of relationships are still kind of hovering, you know, just moving around so much. I haven't made as many sculptural works and I've been mostly, you know, also like just working again, specifically with kind of magazine for the magazine's sake. I've gone back to, to making images. But yeah, I think in opportunities where I can sort of expand and, and kind of work with a, with an overall installation, yeah, the objects will come back for sure. Yeah, I keep telling myself that, but <laughs> <laughs> I keep saying I don't have a studio, so I don't make stuff and I don't want to keep throwing things away, but I've so, yeah, far, I've so far stuck with the digital moving image. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I'm still, you know, having, having it just moved, it's, I'm also saying that as well and in part of me is like why don't i just write or just write <laughs> or, yeah, yeah or yeah. why don't i you know why don't i try to just make videos finally you know, you know what I mean? have, you, have you had an inkling of making videos uh yeah there are some there's some ideas that i have i think that i 
um, again, it's, it's like giving myself the, the freedom to commit to the time to sort of learn that thing. It's funny. I was just talking to another artist about this. Uh, she's a current grad student, you know, that I'm, that I'm advising and she, I mean, she's really like taken the time to sort of learn new skill sets to equip her, you know, to, to, to make the work she wants to make. Yeah. And that's, that's like a really brave process to undergo, you know, because yeah. it takes so much time and to have such a long period of time where, you know, you're not necessarily making things towards the results that, you know, that you would desire for a finished work yeah. uh, can, can be really, I don't know, like demoralizing, you know what I mean? And yeah. so I think I, I mean, and maybe I'm there now, but yeah, I need to sort of give myself the space and sort of accept being comfortable in a, in a period of time in which I'm, I'm doing that, you know, if I were to commit to making, to making video or film yeah. so that I, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, there is of course something to sort of diving into a practice as, you know, as an amateur and in just kind of making whatever and accepting whatever the, the, the results are. But yeah, I don't know. I think for the, for the things I have in mind, perhaps, yeah, I, I need to, I need to sort of hone some skills first. Yeah. I mean, if you want like, animation that's that's one thing but i never i never wanted to touch animation i think i i took one class uh, in college and then i think after the first class the professor was like you're gonna spend all all semester making like a 30 second clip and i think i was at that point i was like i'm not doing this i think it's changed a little i mean i think it's a little easier to do animation but like uh i think the artist in me wants something a little more quick (laughs) <laughs> for sure yeah the quickness it's, yeah, yeah yeah it's a thing i mean i definitely guided the way i make for years you know for a few years the, the idea that you can do something really quickly and it, it's it's nice when something is quick and it meets what you want it to do it does what you want it to do you know yeah, it's yeah, like the, yeah like the best of both worlds um yeah i don't know i think there's a way in which i can you know kind of i guess model or have a, have a similar process of, you know, piecing Im- static, static images together of like sort of piecing different film clips together. Yeah. And, and I think the, the initial idea for, for a video is, is that, you know, with, with custom sound or whatever, but yeah, yeah. I just, I just need to sort of sit down and, and do the thing. Yeah. Um, and even at the kind of Mog Unruh, you've probably seen the, the, the gif of Mowgli. Yeah. 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 I was, um, I was good. That was, that was one of my last questions. What's to do with yeah. the Mowgli? Yeah, like I mean, that's I mean, the intention for that was was yeah to be like you know a first experiment in dealing with moving images and, and kind of loops. Loop is an easy entryway into that, you know. It's, was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Loop a GIF. Yeah. Or GIF. I forget what's the correct way to pronounce it, but how, I guess how do you feel? How do you feel now that you are finally settling down? Because like I think we were talking about you moving around a lot. Yeah. And you just got you just got tenure track painting position at Carnegie Mellon and you'll be there for quite a while and yeah. can imagine just mentally that's a complete different uh, mental shift. Yeah, it, it's definitely strange, you know. I mean, I guess where I sort of left off in the story was, you know, before I really did start this kind of residency, you know, hopping, you know, back in like 2017, I had just been working full time at a museum, you know, as, as a museum educator and that was only for a year. And even that, it was kind of crazy to think about a, a commitment because I, I didn't think it was going to be just a year. You know, I imagined it being at least, you know, three to five probably just because that's sort of the, the life cycle of, of a museum position typically. Um, 
you know, before you go to another museum or, you know, that's at least that's uh, or you get burnt out or something seems to be the, the, the period yeah. of time, you know, like a three to five year period. But yeah, I was just lucky to, to get these residency opportunities and, um, just was able to string them along and was able to take me out of the country again for like an extended period of time, which was super great. And, you know, I was, you know, becoming really accustomed to that as being a way of, of living or at least an, an entryway into like, you know, being in another country long-term, yeah. you know, and, and committing to that, you know, I did find myself at a place in which there was nowhere in the U S we were really interested in living and it, uh, you know, outside of, you know, having, having, having a kind of opportunity like the one I've, I'm in now, but I was, you know, applying for teaching jobs and interviewing for them for a few years. And in each case kind of being like, do I really want this? You know, yeah. do I, do I, or do I want to really try to just be an artist and, you know, kind of piece it together the way we have been and, you know, maintaining, staying afloat somehow, you know, yeah. you know, without a steady kind of income. But yeah, this, it, it's nice to feel like, you know, I, I have a place where I know I'll be, you know, I have a place for my stuff. You know, I have a place yeah, to sort yeah. of invest yeah. in projects over yeah. a longer period of time. Yeah. Not yeah. thinking about how they'll be moved or shipped yeah. back to me. Um, or stored. Or stored. Yeah. So that whole, that whole aspect of the traveling is, was, you know, the, the sort of dark side of it. And, yeah. you know, it really not only dealing with stuff, but and accumulating stuff because when you're yeah. moving around, you know, there's not that much time to like establish relationships in which these things might have a home, you know? So, yeah. um, yeah. Yeah, that's the, that's the non-glamorous portion of it, you know, like where did all this stuff go? And it really does impact the work that you decide to make, you know, because course, it ultimately yeah, yeah. has to be lightweight, it has to be portable, it has to be packable. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there are a lot of things that I didn't necessarily pursue, you know, with any intensity because even as far as like framing things, you know, having rigid structures like, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. that, uh, or, or stretching, you know, a big canvas or something or working on a big piece of wood, like any of those things was like yeah. out of the question. So yeah, uh, it, that, that, that portion of it feels nice. And then also, yeah, I'm lucky to have, to be in a position with a university. Like I've always loved being a part of institutions. You know, there's something that, you know, having a kind of institutional structure behind you, of course, all institutions have their issues and, you know, many of them are dealing with them in various ways, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> at, yeah. at various paces. But yeah. Um, yeah, there is something about having a connection to students and, you know, having a relationship to archives and libraries and, you know, uh, programs in which you're inviting people in and hosting them and you know all of these things that you can't do necessarily as an individual right that I've always loved and being in a department that expects me to contribute you know exactly what what I do in my own practice you know instead of sort of fitting fitting a mold of what they need to fulfill is nice right. and yeah and being able to sort of teach in the way that I want is really great so yeah I, I'm I it was the first of many positions that I've, you know, looked at or applied for that felt, that felt right. So I, you know, I, at the very least that, you know, (laughs) if I want to say that settling has been like, you know, a struggle, which it hasn't been, which is like, it's, it's obnoxious to say that. Um, but yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm in the sort of best possible situation and, you know, no complaints whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it, it does feel good, particularly since it's something we were sort of thinking about needing to do anyway yeah yeah well um thank you again so much for being on this podcast let me talk to you yeah no thank you and then it's been nice to listen to all these episodes again like yeah a lot of people that i've that you've interviewed that i you know am acquainted with like i you know i was in school with didier william for instance and so that was like 
he was a he was a year under me, I think. So yeah, I knew him and his and his crew. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like a group of three of them that were always like hanging out and like these these like really pound for pound painters <laughs> <laughs> that they represented. You know, they were like they were like three musketeers. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah. Did you, did you but, know he was going to be the 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 painter that he is now? Um, I think I mean it was pretty. It, they seemed pretty confident, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think the three of them, you know, the other Leslie Smith, you know, he, he's, you know, he's doing pretty well as also. He's like, um, he's been teaching, you know, on, on faculty at the U- University of Wisconsin Madison for mm. years now, you know. And he, he's one of these guys who went like like DJ, you know, they went straight to grad school, you know, right out of right out of undergrad and like. Yeah you know, haven't slowed down since at least that's yeah. what it appears to be. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think they all, they always had like an air of confidence and, yeah. and, and, and the work ethic, you know, behind it yeah. Um, to where, yeah, I didn't necessarily doubt that they'd be where they are now. Yeah. 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 That's it's cool. Good. It's cool and to see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening to all of them. And yeah. Um, well, well, cool. Yeah. Thanks again, man. And yeah, yeah this, this is fun. Thanks. Thanks so much. Uh, have a great, wonderful rest of your Tuesday. You too. All right. Bye. Seeing Color is recorded, edited, and produced by myself, Z1 Chung. Original music by Alex Chow. You can find more information on the website, www.seeingcolorpod.com or on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Seeing Color Pot. If you enjoy this show and have the time, I'd appreciate if you could go to Apple Podcast or wherever you listen and give Seeing Color a five-star review. This really helps others discover the show and gives greater visibility for everyone on Seeing Color. Again, thank you so much for listening and goodbye for now.